This is the I Make a Living podcast, brought to you by FreshBooks, the number one cloud accounting solution for small business owners and their teams. We know many of you have been struggling through this pandemic, physically, emotionally, mentally, and financially. FreshBooks and I are here for you as a resource and a community to give you the support you need. If you become a part of our Facebook community page, you can join us for informative webinars, watch videos from business leaders, and connect with other entrepreneurs who are experiencing the same challenges you're going through right now. Join the community at facebook.com slash groups slash I make a living, or simply search the hashtag I make a living to find our community page. This next episode was recorded long before COVID-19, but we think you'll find inspiration and information in it. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the I Make a Living podcast, brought to you by FreshBooks. I'm your host, Demona Hoffman, and I'm one of you, an entrepreneur who uses a variety of skills and experiences to make my business thrive. This requires a lot of improvisation, marketing skills, and hardcore hustling. The same skills I would actually coach actors to develop when I was a TV executive. Steve Barnes, our guest for today, knows all about that. Steve is what we call in Hollywood a multi-hyphenate. He has over 25 years of experience as a radio host, including heading up the number one morning radio show in Atlanta. As an actor, he's appeared on Prison Break, Drop Dead Diva, The Young and the Restless, and over 25 other films and TV shows. But above all, he's an entrepreneur. Even as a working actor... He never relied on just one of his talents to get by. Always have a hustle that's paying the bills. And so I designed a hustle that was something that fell into a lifestyle for me that I like. I happen to love travel and I love producing. So what do you do? You create a company that produces content in the travel vertical or in the commercial real estate vertical. And so I travel all over the world shooting that stuff. And that's a liquid schedule. So I can kind of push it around if I book a job on whatever movie or show or whatever, I've seen people walk away from jobs where they were literally phoning it in and getting a good paycheck. And just because they felt like they had to get out from under the man's thumb, which I think is stupid. I mean, stay in that job and do, and do a good job and take, the, take your paycheck while you have it, while you figure out if your side hustle can keep you afloat. Because mm. they won't always do that. No one told me that when I left my... <laughs> No one, <laughs> exactly. no one said keep your, keep your regular job. <laughs> no one said keep your day job. Sometimes we're so eager to ditch the day job that we miss the lessons and opportunities we could find there. Steve had a carefully orchestrated exit strategy that began years earlier at the radio station. Anywhere in your career, there's going to be pivotal moments, I think, where you see, oh, th- there's an opportunity. I've got to grab it. Tell and- me about one of those moments in your career where you had that opportunity and you seized the day. You know, maybe making my production company in 99, I was already in Atlanta, a top 10 market, and I was taking meetings with, you know, the apples of the world. And when it came down to like ad buys, so the morning show would be involved in, say, a Comcast meeting or an Apple meeting or whatever, when big money was on the line. And that 
without even thinking about it, when I look back at it now, groomed me to start realizing how much content was needed. And again, this is 99-ish. So I created my company, Barnes Creative Studios, based on being able to service these big advertisers outside of the realm of radio. Because I knew from our radio station, they weren't going to be getting other content. Like we weren't a content house, but I was making those relationships with the CMOs of these big companies going, hey, you know, I, I do this stuff. And so since they already kind of saw you in a credible light, they're like, oh, well, well, what else can you do? And that's kind of how it got started. Started doing like small video work for Comcast and doing just different. So I guess to answer your question, recognizing that opportunity to kind of float out into other spaces was one. I want to talk a little bit more about your business and how you do make a living. Uh, You made it sound very glamorous. You work with travel brands and you're traveling the world and you're using all of this that you've learned along the way. Yeah, and marketing and technology. So tell me about how that business is structured and who your clients are and how you run it. Side to, to those things that I just talked about, I'm a technology geek, so I'm always really deep into everything from drones. I mean, I was like drone number one when they started coming out. The filming of aerial setup shots was so expensive because we had rent helicopters. And drones came out shortly after that. And I was like, oh my gosh, what a game changer for, especially for travel. In my mind, I was like creating a movie trailer for the four seasons of the Maldives. Think about these killer shots you could get with drones. And you know, now it's every day, but there aren't a lot of great drone operators out there. So the video brands are like clamoring to get it. And this is, you know, 10 years after they've been out already. And I just thought that was a nice secret sauce to put into that space. But at that point, you were not working with those brands yet. I was working with Starwood brands at the time. So W, St. Regis, and a lot of boutique Caribbean hotels. And what were you doing for them then? Creating video. So it was a lot of video content. It was movie trailer style stuff. Of this is what it's like to go to this hotel. A 90 second video that just has amazing music and beautiful imagery. And this was their calling card, so to speak. So you see this drone and you think this is going to revolutionize the hotel industry. At that time, yes. How do you convey that to the brand and convince them to trust you on this new tech? That's not a hard one because you see, you know, you shoot one demo and you're like, look at this. Imagine your property in this. So I picked a Caribbean resort that I loved called uh, Cap Maison in St. Lucia. And I pitched it to them as, listen, I'm going to come in and do this. No charge. I want to show you how cool it is. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, the whole idea was this was going to be a nice pilot to show larger brands who had scale, who had, you know, hotels across the world. I mean, the, the, the equivalent to that now is virtual reality. I mean, it's the same way. It's just harder to sell to them because there's fear in things that you don't know. And so a lot of, believe it or not, still today, a lot of people have not put on those headsets and understand how cool they are or, or even how to use them. I find it every day. I imagine as you're working with these companies with the new technology, they don't know what they don't know. Exactly. So there's probably been situations where you get, you sell the idea to them and then you get into it and there must be f- moments of friction as they're getting up to speed with what you already know. Yes, and that can be frustrating. There's a fear of, well, a sales team's not going to know what to do with, no, just take a deep breath. I'll, I'll show you how to do it. It's not, it's not that hard. 
It's not that hard for you because you grew up no, with but, the but tech, I mean, right? No, but if you show them, <laughs> if you show them, then I think it's almost like showing your grandparents or whatever how to use a computer. They're afraid of it because it's what they don't know. They, yeah. they're, they're afraid of the new latest, greatest iPad because of all the things it does. Ooh, what happens when I do this? They're afraid to touch it and push buttons. So that's what those are made for. But if you show them, you push the button and you don't implode. And then they still forget. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then they forget and, and they, they call, call you back you in. from another city and yeah. It sounds like you have a really glamorous and exciting life, Steve. I totally do. What's the down? There, there must be like some moments where you're like, No, I mean, is- the downside is, I think, risk. Uh-huh. As an entrepreneur, you've got to commit. And I think that you've got to know that your hustle can pay the bills, you know? Like, so that's the big fear everyone has in becoming an entrepreneur. Will it work? Yeah. And the only reason I felt like mine would work it's because I had so many things that I'd already done that led to that road because I love what I do. Well, freedom. I it, mean, there's yeah. a ton of freedom. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of freedom. But sometimes also when you have the freedom, like you said, there's a little bit of – it's lonely at the yeah. top, right? No, it's, it's – it's, well, it's lonely. And my wife's an entrepreneur also. She's an antique dealer. And so we both have a schedule that is only made by us. And so it's – you know, of course, she comes on the sexy shoots when we're shooting, you know, Four Seasons in Paris. She obviously comes because she, who, who doesn't want to stay at the George Sank for, you know, a week at a clip? But she doesn't come to some boring apartment complex in Denver that I might be producing something for. Does it feel like work for you when you're at the it Four really Seasons? <laughs> it doesn't no? feel like work for me at all. The only thing that's hard work is memorizing lines, I think. That's the hardest of all my things that I do. I hate to memorize lines. Fun fact, I got my start in Hollywood as a casting director, so I've spent a lot of time finding and coaching people with potential. Some of the tips I would give talent also can apply to entrepreneurs. Be successful in your own market before you move to the big leagues. It doesn't make sense to start your career competing with people who have much more experience than you do. Plus, you can still be a big fish if you stay in your small pond. Don't put too much pressure on every meeting. It might not be your big break yet, but you can't let that shake you. Keep an eye on your competition and check out what they're delivering or not delivering. And as it turns out, Steve applies all of these rules to his business too. It's the wild west right now, so you kind of have to be watching your back with who else is pitching but not delivering. I feel like I've established a good enough name for myself in the space that I feel like if they're having the conversation with me, they already know how much it costs or they know what they're going to get. I've even found people stealing my work. So stealing stuff from my website and pitching people that I've talked to before, maybe that aren't like prevalent on my website because I didn't maybe post it there or it's not there yet, and have pitched my work as their own that's what, that's how crazy. What do you do it about is. that? Because I, I hear that that's really anything. common, especially with Instagram as well. Yeah. I know a lot of photographers that get their work taken. They're gonna fail the minute they have to deliver. So as soon as they have to deliver, even though you've published something, they they can't really emulate it to your style exactly. So they may acquire the work at some crazy low rate that they've pitched, but then when it comes time to deliver, I've had people tell me they've spent thousands of dollars on something and then they're just throwing it away because it's that bad. Mm. So it's people trying to get in that haven't done the work, which 
you could find in any field. Yeah. People who've cut to the chase. How do you, talking about how much to charge, how do you figure out pricing? You said other people, when you pitch, people already have a sense of how much it's going to cost. But I'm sure there's a lot of people listening where they're in, I mean, I'm sure when you started out, it was all new. People didn't really know no, how much it cost. How do you figure out what your time and your knowledge and your effort is worth? You have to constantly evaluate the market. I think you have to, with all the relationships that you've made, maybe you can find out what are people paying for X type of stuff. But also it comes with what is the product. So for me, I'll get a lot of times someone will call and say, oh, we love the there's this one video I did for Thyssen Krupp, which is an elevator company. They're doing a development of their brand new headquarters in Atlanta. It's this like, I don't know, 60-story building, and it's got all this crazy effect stuff going on. And they will ask, oh, we like that. And I'll say, oh, well, that was X thousands of dollars. And they're like, whoa, what? And then so they're kind of setting the tone for what they can or can't afford in their own mind. So I usually say, tell me your budget. And that's not like a ploy to go, I want to get all your money. It's more like, here's what's reasonable. And I think because of the fact that I have credibility in the space, they'll go, oh, our budget's $20,000. And I'll be able to say, oh, well, for that, here's what you could do. It could be this, or you could do this, or you could do this. Or is it 10000 or is it 5000 When people hire you to do one of these videos... What are they getting? Are they just getting you? Do you have a team? What What do you need to do to get the the wheels in motion? I've got freelancers that I like to call in on my team that I keep close to the vest. I'll call them in, depending on what it is. If it's VR, it's usually just me because the capture part of that's not too difficult. It's all the editing afterwards. It takes forever. And you're doing all of the editing too. I'm doing all of the editing except in very specific scenarios where I'm too bogged down, maybe, and I'll call in someone else. But it's I've had a hard time finding freelancers that can deliver. A lot of it is, yes, I can do it. And then it, when it's delivered, it's, it's flawed. So I've found that if I just do it myself, I at least know, and it's on me, if something's wrong with it, it's on me instead of me having to go back. And then I've wasted all this money on an editor. Because that gets specific with like the 360 imagery that comes with VR. It's very different to work on that in Photoshop as opposed, and I'm not talking about the video part. I'm talking about just regular imagery, not moving, not animated. So it could be video in VR 360, and that's a whole different beast. As a solopreneur, essentially, you're describing a solopreneurship. One of the challenges that I see is that when, when you're committed to something or when you're sick and you can't get get there, or let's say you book one of these wonderful sure. acting jobs and you've committed to delivering a certain project. How do you manage that when there's only one of you and you can't multiply yourself? Well, it, thankfully, those are not time pressing. The shoots out wherever. I've had to leave before when I just did that Carell movie, they changed my dates. I was on a shoot in the Caribbean and they changed the dates and I had to leave a day early. And my wife stayed with our friends there and I left. So that industry definitely is, they need you now and they need you now. But my other world is not so much that. Like, But I how can, much of that is how you've designed it? Oh, it's totally that way. Because it, it's not, and they may change their dates. I just had a shoot for four seasons and they didn't have appliances in one of these fancy new villas yet. 
And so they weren't sure when they were going to be in or when they would be installed. And so we're trying to book the shoot and it kept changing. Yeah, construction so, just right. <laughs> never and so, ending. And, and I'm fine with that. If I have the availability, I'll just look at my calendar and go, well, I can bump you to this week or I can bump you to this week. And But they're real cool about, I may come in a day earlier and leave a day after or whatever. It's not, it's not, it hadn't been a big deal. Sounds like Knock you have wood. a really fun and comfortable lifestyle. No, it's fun. I, I enjoy it. A thriving business. But the boredom will kill you as an entrepreneur. <laughs> Beyond the boredom, what's the next goal for you, Steve? That's a good question. My business pivots a lot with content creation. So besides doing VR and 360 stuff and, and drone-inspired stuff, mapping is another thing we do, which is like you can get into geo-mapping places and make 3D elements from it. So like if if you wanted to map your house, I would use this very specific program with drones and go over it and create all the data points. And we could use that to like look at the all kinds of agricultural things with land or with construction or create a 3D. So some of that stuff is interesting to me, although it's a lot more going on with it. Otherwise, I, I don't know. I always just look for opportunity. Having a variety of experiences and project types means that Steve is always keeping busy and always ready to find the next opportunity. Even through this pandemic, Steve has continued to pivot by making new content and keeping creative. The weird thing about being an entrepreneur is you're not, you don't know what's going to be going on every month of the year. And I found for me, it's like a 60-day revolving platter. There may be ton of things on the calendar. And then like in three months, there's nothing. But there's a lot of talk about quarter one or quarter two or quarter three. But you may be in quarter one looking at the calendar going, I haven't got squat in this next section of the calendar. And that early on, it would freak me out. Now I just don't, I don't really care because I know it'll come. Do you hustle to make it filled or are you That's okay with That's my problem is I space? don't hustle as far as a business development side. All of mine is word of mouth. And luckily I've had enough big jobs with big companies where I've established working relationships where they do come around, but I should be better at developing business and I'm not. It's just not I like it's I like worked to close. Out okay for you. I like no, but I like to close. I love to close, and that goes back to the meetings in the radio days where I would love. It's exciting, and you know, it's right there to that point. I don't like you won't see me cold calling. I just I just can't. I, it's not in me. Like it's just a weird. It's a weird thing. But it's interesting when you say it that way because it's almost like that's what you've been conditioned to do. Like they brought you in in the end when you were a radio host to They've close the deal. All that stuff. So you're continuing to do the thing that you were trained and conditioned to do early in your career. Yes. And I still see salespeople and I marvel at how they do it. I just, I don't want to say can't. I don't like to do it. It doesn't come naturally. No. It, it, I feel it's like very, it's like, oh, putting a gun to your head to go in and like, because I don't want to be I don't want people contacting me to sell me something, you know? Like, do you ever, when, when someone rings the door and they're, you know they're selling something? I'm a sucker, so, See, you know, I, I just... <laughs> I get too frustrated. So, yeah, that if I had to do anything better, I would say it should be that. But yeah. I still don't. I'd rather find a person that did that. But nobody wants to work for a commission. No matter what the commissions are, I have found. And it's not because it's not you. They don't have the same passion as you. 
selling your stuff. And they also can't speak from inside it. So it's kind of, what are you going to do? You just do what you do. Do what you do until you, you find, have to evolve, right? Yeah, you just keep meeting people, I think, from wherever your business is established, and that will bring you business unless you want more. If you're looking at the calendar and you're not able to fill a particular period of time with work, how do you ensure financial stability during that time? Planning, really. I mean, just throughout the year, making sure you're making wise financial choices and you speak with your financial advisor and you talk, you you know how much overhead you have and what you have to get in. Like, is it about keeping your lifestyle expenses to a point where if you have a down couple of months, it would never break you? Or is it about having a slush fund that you can go to? Well, the beauty is the way I've designed in my specific case, think about it. I'm on the road more than probably 50% of the year. And so that's what I like to call on scholarship. So you're not really paying to live. So you've cut your expenses. I know you still have to pay your house payment and your whatever payment, but no, besides having financial planning in place, I look at that time on the road as almost a bonus because I'm not paying for food. I'm not paying for lodging, transportation, anything. You've got this Tesla. You have to. You just you plug that for... baby in, and you don't have to put gas. That's why I got a Tesla. <laughs> Very smart way to solve that problem. It is. I mean, that's the future. It goes along with my kind of my world of loving technology. I mean, I, I researched the hell out of those and watched them the first few years, and that's. It's just. I mean, I save what over a thousand bucks a year on gas. That's amazing. And I have a third job that you don't even know about. Oh, really? Tell me that. And people always crack up when, and especially, I drive for Uber. No, you don't. So here's what happened. I get bored. If I don't have anything going on and it's a slow week, I will get in the car because think about it. As an entrepreneur, I'm not around people besides clients, besides being on the road. Very few. You lose touch with what's happening. And so on two levels. One level, I like to do it because... It puts you in and it motivates me because you see all all kinds, like everything from billionaires to almost homeless people. And I like to watch the reaction getting picked up in a Tesla. It's just I was going to say, aren't your cars too nice? To no, be it's funny viewers? because they're always like, what is this? Is it, am I on a hidden camera show? No, but I, I also use it as a character study. I, when I go on auditions, because, you know, there's probably three to five auditions a week that I have a home studio that I put out, producers contact your agent, da, 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 da. And I think about these people that have come through my car, and I use that as motivation a lot of times. I'll look and I'll get little pieces of personality from these people. I don't do it a lot, but when I do do it, it's fun. And you're not really making income Oh, from gosh. Uber. I think I drove... Two weeks ago, for a few days, I made eighty dollars. Oh, oh yeah, but you sometimes were so I forget to bump it over, <laughs> like because you can just hit the button and take your money out. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't do it for the money. I do it because I, I find it very interesting as a people study. Yeah, you're rich in stories now. It's I mean Not you would you wouldn't money. believe the stuff that you see. No part of Steve's day is wasted. He's either learning how to market something, trying out new technology doing a character study, or getting inspiration for whatever his next big venture may be. For our tips and tools segment, I had to know what new discoveries Steve had made. I'll start with a tool. This one is a 
it's a Chrome plugin, and I don't remember the name of it, but I think there are multiple ones. It's called a spoofer. And when you're on a plane, I have T-Mobile. So with T-Mobile, you get free Wi-Fi on Delta. I don't know if the other, I, I fly Delta all the time, so I don't know if it's other airlines too, but they have free internet browsing, but it's only for your phone. So I spoof my laptop so it thinks it's a iPhone and I can get my free internet on my laptop. That's that my, seems very important for someone that's on a no, plane as much on, as you. <laughs> I mean, nonstop. I mean, well, and you're getting stuff done. You're, but then you're always connected, Steve. I have to be. I would go nuts <laughs> if, if, if I wasn't connected. So what tips do you have for entrepreneurs to be able to get ahead? Shut up. What no, do you I'm mean not by that? I'm telling you to shut up. I'm saying. <laughs> Excuse I'm saying me, sir. What do you mean by that? Know when to listen and know when to talk. I think that some entrepreneurs may shoot themselves in the foot if they go into an initial meeting and it kind of goes on the heels of some marketers are old school, some are new school, whatever. You have to adjust your pitch to what they are. So if you feel like you're in a meeting where someone's afraid to move forward with some technology, listen to what they have to say and what, you know, they already have made a decision they want to spend money on X and Y. And if you're trying to sell them Z, they're just tuning out. So give them what they want and then maybe educate them on, oh, you could do this and explain it enough where they don't have a fear. I found many times I'll jump on a plane. If I have a great example is a meeting I had for multiple shooting um, videos for a REIT a big investment package with like, I don't know, 15 apartment complexes. It was down to me and a couple of people. And I said, would you like to meet in person? I'll jump on a plane. And they were like, whoa, really? I said, yes. I mean, Atlanta to Chicago is under $200. Okay, whatever. It's a write-off. Plus you have all of those frequent flyer miles. My goodness. And this is interesting to see what got me the job. This was probably five years ago talking about they had a fear and they didn't understand the video that was being delivered to them. And you take it for granted if you work in my space, what 1080p is or what 4K is or what you're describing all these things. And we were in this big boardroom. I'll never forget it. And these two um, lovely ladies were sitting there talking to me. And I said, they talked about delivery and what they're going to get from me. And I said, well, we could deliver it at 4K. But what you mostly see in your use case is is 1080p or just, you know, standard HD. And they looked at me like, you know, deer in headlights. And I said, do you, do you understand the differences of what, of what those are? And they're like, no. And so I went up to the board and I drew a rectangle and I said, this is HD. This is 1080p. This is what comes in your television through your cable box at home. This is the, the size of the resolution. And there I said, 4K. And I drew a rectangle below it and two next to it. And put a big rectangle around it. I said, that's 4K. That's four times. And they're like, a light bulb went off. They're like, oh. I said, but you wouldn't want 4K for your online delivery because it's going to be too much data you're trying to push through. So it's going to make the user experience a little more difficult. And they just like were like, oh, my gosh. I never knew what that meant. And I'm just taking it for granted. Oh, sure, you know what 4K is. You've been in Best Buy. You see the 4K TV. But now they look at it differently because they look at a TV and go, oh, it's four, four times, times this resolution in that rectangle. And that's why it's sharper. And that's why it's clearer. And that's why. So they were like in. I also love that you mentioned that they 
said they didn't understand it. Because I think the other thing that happens in business a lot is we're afraid to say what we don't know. So we're all trying to be experts, right? Makes you vulnerable. So that gap would have never been bridged if they hadn't been able to say, I don't get it. And I need this to be explained to me. And there's got to be trust before I think they'll say that. And we we hadn't known each other long besides a couple of phone conversations. They turned into be a major client over and over again. And they they wouldn't even entertain anymore because they knew that I was going to protect them. And I think that's my value proposition in any of my business, whatever it is, is that my intel is your intel and me staying on top of it. That's my job. Your job is to come to me and tell me what you want. And I've got to figure out how to deliver it in a cost-effective way for you if you are limited by budget, but I still want you to get what you want. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you can make a TV show for $10,000 or you can make it for $10 million or or a video or a production or a, a series, whatever, whatever it is, an episode. I mean, if you have to shoot it on an iPhone, these days you can do that. And no one's going to know the magic behind. If someone came to me and said, we want to do this, but we can't afford, you know, X, Y, and Z no production. No for us. Let's go buy three iPhone 11 Pros. Yeah. And get stabilizers for them. The technology will blow your mind now. And if you showed it, I guarantee you I could shoot that series on those phones. And with the post-production work, you would never know. We always had a saying in production. You've probably heard this one before. You can have it good, fast, or cheap. Pick two. <laughs> but these days, you can almost get three. You can almost get three. Well, with your help, I'm sure they can. Well, and production companies and agencies don't want to tell you that. And that's another, as an entrepreneur, as a value prop, is that they're going to run the tab up, and they're not going to tell you how they're doing it. You're just going to spend the money. And you're going to get the bill and go, what happened? Yeah. What am I paying for? I'm going to be transparent and tell you, here's what it's going to take, and here's what it's going to cost. And that's why people like you, Steve. I hope so. As a relationship coach, I know that trust is at the foundation of every great partnership. When you build a brand based on trust, trust that you will deliver what you promised and trust that you know what you're talking about, your customers will keep coming back. Don't forget to implement the other great takeaways from my talk with Steve. Build a business based around the lifestyle you want not the other way around. None of your experience is wasted. All of the ups and downs that you endured in the past can help you in your business today. Educate yourself and your clients. Act as a guide to clients who are nervous about trying the next big thing. Always stay three steps ahead of the competition. Your curiosity today could be tomorrow's mortgage payment. If you want to learn more about Steve's creative approach to marketing, check him out at barnescreativestudios.com. Follow him on Instagram at Barnesology or at sbarns on Twitter. This podcast was brought to you by FreshBooks, the number one cloud accounting solution for small business owners and their teams. Want to know more about how you can save hours on accounting paperwork and focus more on your business? Head over to freshbooks.com slash I-M-A-L to receive an exclusive offer. That's freshbooks.com slash I-M-A-L, short for I Make a Living. Our audio engineer is James Morris. Our producer and director is Paco Erzmendi. And you know me, I'm your host and producer, Damona Hoffman. Let's connect. You can find me online at damonahoffman.com or on all of the socials at Damona Hoffman. 
I hope you'll join me inside the I Make a Living Facebook community. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash I Make a Living or just search the hashtag I Make a Living in Facebook to find us and use your talent to its full potential because it's your business. See you next week.